Amen. He is risen. Thank you. Today we are having a great Easter celebration. Thank you so much, Jen. Oh my goodness. That is the best Easter celebration moment. I I hope we got that on a tape or someone. Did you have all your cell phones out? Were you taking video back there? I hope so. Oh my goodness. So today we are celebrating Easter and we have a great text. The text today is a snapshot. It's a piece of a sermon that was preached um, by, actually it was preached in the year 40. Can you imagine that? A sermon that was preached in the year 40 by one of Jesus's closest followers and one of Jesus's, um, one of his dearest friends as well. And his name was Peter. Now Peter preached this sermon. It, for, the year 40 was 10 years after Jesus had come back from the dead. After Jesus was resurrected on the very first Easter Sunday. And Peter preached this message. He spoke these words because there was a change that took place in him. There was a change that took place in his heart. A forever change, if you will. And the change is that, G- that Peter realizes that Jesus' love for him and for the world is far deeper and far more profound than, than he had ever imagined. Let's look at the scripture that we have for today. It's in Acts 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak to them, saying, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who does what is right and, is, and fears him is acceptable to him. Now you know the message that they sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, for he is Lord of all. This message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John the ba- after the baptism of Jesus that John the Baptist announced or foretold. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now we are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem, where they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify that anyone, everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now we say, this is the word of the Lord, and you say, Thanks be to God. Now, since I had the last opportunity to see many of you two weeks ago, everything in my life has changed. And when I say everything, I mean everything in my life has changed. Two weeks ago, I was the father of two little girls, two sweet girls, Ella, who's three years old, and Olivia, who's a year and a half. And then, nine days ago, Thanks to all of the support and prayers of every single one of you over such a long time, and thanks to the grace of God, my wife 
gave birth last Friday to a healthy baby boy named Luke William. You hear that, Luke? They're cheering for you right there. We had to bring him, not because we had to bring him, but because we had to have the little girls in their Easter dresses. So it's just, what, what do you do with that? So to say the least, our, the, the life of our little family has changed completely forever. For our little daughters, it's like there's been an earthquake, and suddenly they're, they're discovering that they have, well, a, a real live dolly that they can kiss and adore and someday dress up. We haven't told them that. And for my wife and I, it's like our whole entire world has been turned upside down in a million wonderful ways. But since then, since the birth, I took some time off to spend it with my took time off of work to spend the time with my daughters and with my wife, trying to be the best dad or husband I can be, which is, which, which is pretty shabby usually. But I got the opportunity to spend a lot of time with my daughters, just listening to them and talking with them and playing with them and helping them to adjust to the significant change in their world. And then I was in the backyard with my daughter Ella the other day, and she pointed up to a tree, and there was a branch that was broken. And she said, oh, no, Daddy, that tree is broken. And I, she says cute things all the time. I mean, so I just kind of ignored it and said, yes, yes, it's broken. And I looked the other way. Now, somehow, when I looked the other way, she had found a way to get it down from that very high place in the tree. <laughs> I, I don't even want to know how. But she brought it over to me. She brought the branch over to me. And she said, Daddy, this tree needs its family. And she said, I will plant it here. And it will grow big, big, big like these trees. And being the dumb dad I am, I just responded instinctively, no, you can't plant it there. Because if, even if you do plant it, it won't grow because it's no longer alive. Oops. That's when I realized I had just started a conversation with her that I had never had before. Her face changed. For the first time, she started to understand something about what death was, what it meant to no longer be alive. She was understanding the harsh reality that we, like, we adults like to call it about the world. And what is that reality? The harsh reality of the world that would like to tell us is that broke things stay broke. That when something is broke, it will never be fixed again, or at least it can never go back to the way it was before. And that the best we can hope for with broke things is that they will be replaced by new things, and that those new things will hopefully not break as soon as, well, in any, any time in the future. But you see, that was the common understanding of the world for all of humanity, and it's the common understanding of much of the world today, until they encounter Jesus. Because Jesus changes everything. You see, Jesus was, sorry, uh, so Jesus lived with a perfect heart. He was fully human, and he was fully God. We could just sit here for an hour and think about that, and it would not be long enough. But Jesus was fully human, and yet he was never broken. His heart was never broken. His soul was never broken. He was fully intact. He was fully alive. He was just as God in, in designed him and intended him as a human being. And yet he was fully God. He had all the power of God. And he went about, and this is, if you wanted to sum up what Jesus did as Peter did, 
Peter, who was there, by the way, following Jesus, Peter, who was there at the crucifixion of Jesus, you want to sum up Jesus' life? Peter did a pretty good job. He said, Jesus went about doing good. He went about doing good. You couldn't really say anything else about Jesus. He never did bad. He only went about doing good. And he went about healing people and bringing wholeness and restoration and fixing things that couldn't be broken or people that otherwise the world had rejected and reconciled to the heap of things that we like to call the hopelessly broken pile. Those things that are hopelessly broken can never be fixed again. So Jesus would go up to the hopelessly broken person who had been on a mat for 30 years and never walked. And he walked up to that person. He said, take up your mat and walk. And by miracle of Jesus, by the power of God, that person got up and walked away. And then Jesus went up to a person who was hopelessly broken, that was blind from birth and everybody had given up on. And Jesus went up to that person and he made that person able to see again. See, Jesus changes everything. And when Jesus' best friend died, and there was a funeral for him, Jesus went to the funeral three days after his best friend had died, Lazarus. And he went to the tomb, and, and he said, Come on out, Lazarus. And Lazarus came back to life. And he had dinner with Lazarus later. They had a big party. Talk about a strange party, but they had a party. You see, Jesus changed everything. He changed all the rules, all the things that people thought were this way were suddenly that way. And whenever Jesus healed somebody or, or restored somebody, he would always make the point that the most important healing in their life, the most important place of restoration, the most important place of wholeness is that place between you and God, that place in your soul, that place in your mind, that place that separates you from God. And you see, what Jesus did on the cross, he mended that. He restored that relationship that was otherwise broken. He took on all of that brokenness and he filled in that gap. So yes, Jesus went about bringing wholeness and healing to a lot of people. But this is what happened. A lot of people whose job it was to maintain the status quo, to maintain the system of belief at the time, to maintain the institution... Those people were intimidated. For They built their whole entire life on the so-called truths of the world that when broken things are broke, they must stay broke. That was what they believed and they knew to be true. See, they had an understanding of what progress looked like. And they said, this is the way it is and I'm convicted about that. And then Jesus came to what they thought was a secure place in their life. And his ability to bring health and healing created what was otherwise secure for these people, a now an insecure and fragile place. And so to defend what they had been building their whole entire lives upon, and to defend the institutions, and to defend the belief systems, and to defend the ways of thinking, they put false charges against Jesus, and they tried him for murder, and then they murdered him by hanging him on an old, dead tree just to make their point. A dead tree that had been fashioned in the shape of a cross just so that it could hold him up like a big advertisement saying, see, this is the way the world works. This is how the world is supposed to work. That's what they were saying. See, but Jesus defeated death. It was not the last word. 
It was not the end of the road. What Jesus did is he went down between Good Friday and Easter and he descended into hell. That's what our statement of faith says. That he went and he fought against the darkness and he fought against all of the inhumanities and all of the demons and all of the devils and all whatever you... We can't wrap our minds around, but you know it. You've seen it. You know there's darkness and brokenness in the world. He fought against all of that. And then he came out victorious on Easter Sunday. He came back and he showed people the holes in his hands and his feet. And he showed them that what they thought was a reality was no longer a reality. And he changed the rules. See, Jesus changes everything. I love this scripture that, that Paul shares in Romans eight thirty eight. See, when people thought that there was maybe too much brokenness that God, for God to take care of, this is, what, this is what Paul said. He said, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, and listen to this, and nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from that. And that's what Peter realized, and that's what he had to preach 10 years after Jesus had been raised from the dead. 10 years after Peter had seen Jesus and touched the holes in his hands and the feet. 13 years after Peter had walked with Jesus and, and, and experienced the miracles of Jesus, yet Peter still had growing to do. Peter still had learning to do. So, Don't beat yourself up too much if you're learning something new today like I am. Peter discovered that you didn't need to have to look a certain way or walk a certain way or talk a certain way in order to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, in order to receive the total love of Christ. That was the freedom that Peter had to preach that day. And that's the freedom that we get the opportunity to share with the world. See, after I had the opportunity to talk to my daughter about how that tree could not possibly grow, then I realized it was another opportunity to talk to her about heaven. And so I talked to her about loving Jesus and trusting Jesus, and that when you love and trust Jesus, that you will never die, that you will live forever. You will never die. You will live forever. And just to make the point to her, I told her, you know, heaven, it's better than Disneyland. And I think she got it. And her face changed. And her face changed as she understood that what's reality for that tree branch is not necessarily the reality for us. But even the realities that we impose on that tree branch are not impossible for God. Listen to this scripture that Matthew preaches. I just can't get away from the scripture. I'm so excited about these scriptures. Matthew writes in 1926, not in the year 1926, in chapter 19, verse 26. For mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. All things are possible. Long before Jesus came, there was a man named Job. Job is famous because his life fell apart completely. Everything fell apart for Job. His life was in shambles, complete deterioration. And he asked these words. He wrote these words, and I love them. In Job chapter 14, verse 7, he says, 
For there is hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. You need to hear this. There is no amount of brokenness that is too much for Jesus Christ to meet you at. There is no, nothing that Jesus can't heal. There's nothing that Jesus cannot repair or restore or mend or put in the right direction. And the most important thing that Jesus can heal or restore, and the most important thing that you can hear is to have your heart open to God's change in your life. And then to be like Peter, hearing that command of Jesus to go and preach to the people. That's what Peter said. Go and preach to the people. And to testify that he is the one who is judge over the living and the dead. Now, I don't want you to have a stopping point about that. Think about it. Jesus Christ, the most loving person that ever lived. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the judge of the living and the dead. That is really, really good news. That's not bad news. That's good news for you and for me and everybody that we encounter. So don't hesitate to tell your neighbors or your friends or to follow the commands of Jesus as you go out from here today to share the good news with everyone you meet and to let them know that He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, that these words have been in Scripture our whole entire lives. And for some of us, it's the first time hearing these words in our heart. Lord, that you have prepared this moment for us, that that you've walked alongside us carefully, wrapping your arms around us and nudging us and guiding us forward our entire life and, and making straight our paths. Lord, that every time that we would otherwise encounter certain death, Lord, you've been the one there to rescue us. We will not take that away from you. And God, we thank you that you have, have, have brought us this far. And we pray that we would not let this word fall from our hearts onto dry soil, but that we would keep it locked in our hearts and that we would, we would embrace it and hold fast to this truth and that we'd make it a part of our thought patterns and our heart patterns but that it wouldn't just stop there, that it, would, that it would confront those systems of belief that otherwise say that the world is one way when it just isn't that way. So God, we pray that this world would be mended, that these streets would be mended, that these hearts of these cities and these countries and these nations would be mended and that we would be your ambassadors, like those ambassadors negotiating peace treaties, Lord. We pray that we would be your ambassadors of peace by Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for the good news that Peter gave to those people that day in the year 40 and the good news we get to share that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And all God's people said, Amen.